This is the Horse Radio Network. What a beautiful day for horses in the morning. You are listening to the number one horse podcast in the world. Here's your entertaining look at the horse world and the people in it. Good morning, everybody. I am Glenn the Geek from Ocala, Florida. And I'm Holly Kakamis from Laguna Hills, California. And I am Sarah Evers Conrad from Lexington, Kentucky. And you are listening to the monthly Horse Illustrated episode of Horses in the Morning on the Horse Radio Network for March 22nd. This is a special episode of Horses in the Morning every fourth Tuesday of the month, brought to you by Horse Illustrated Magazine. Good morning, Horse World. The fourth Tuesday of every month is all about your passion for horses. Nurture your knowledge with informative and entertaining interviews brought to you by Horse Illustrated Magazine. I'd like to introduce everyone to the Horse Illustrated editor, Holly Kakamis, who will be taking over the reins on the podcast Welcome, Holly, to the Horse Illustrated episode of Horses in the Morning. Thanks, guys. I'm very excited to be here. So why don't you tell the listeners, since they have not met you yet, um, how you came to Horse Illustrated, like how long you've been here with Horse Illustrated Young Rider, and kind of what you do there. Sure. Well, I started uh, at Horse Illustrated in 2007, so I've been around for... A long time. Um, And then I started working on Young Rider as well around 2015 or so. Uh, That's also when I moved from Lexington, Kentucky, back to my home state of California. Um, So, yeah, I've just been working on both magazines for a long time. That has to be the longest time anybody's ever had a job at a a magazine. Oh, that's a long time. That's because she's awesome and she does a great job with it. I feel very fortunate. Thank you. (laughs) And we lived in Lexington at the same time during the World Equestrian Games. We did. Imagine we've never met until this year. We met at HP, or I guess that was last year, last September. (laughs) I know. We lived there for years in Lexington the same time you did. We probably were at every Rolex together and all that stuff. Oh, no doubt. I never missed one. Yeah. Sure. That's the best. Yep. Same here. Where do you live now? world. So now I'm in Orange County, California. So it is uh, close to the beach, um, way too expensive, and uh, we just complain about the cost of living a lot. But I miss my green fields and thoroughbreds for sure. Do you, but now, fortunately, you have to drive to work with your gas prices right now. So there's I have been working remotely since 2017, so I'm very lucky there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> now, tell us a little bit about your horse background. Sure. Well, I've been basically a horse crazy person from birth, but, you know, with no one horsey in the family, it kind of took about till three years old till everyone knew uh, this was my thing. Um, Started really riding around age nine, uh, first horse around age 12, 13, Uh, got into an eventing barn and just immediately that was for me. So I've been an eventer ever since then. had a lot of off-track thoroughbreds. Uh, my last horse was a warm-blood thoroughbred cross. I've had a couple Appaloosas. Uh, I, I'm not picky. I love all horses, but that's just basically what I've been into is lots of cross-country and galloping around. And, of course, we've both, Holly and I, have been busy at Horse Illustrated and Young Rider, and we just want to remind everyone that you can check out the new youngrider.com. It's live. And we hope all the kids really enjoy it and their parents and anyone that wants to check out the brand and find out more articles, do fun and games, all sorts of things like that. This is a well-done website for kids. You know, Thank I've, you. I've seen so many that, one, they look very adult or they look way too kid, right? It's, it's one or the other. This is just in the middle. It's well done. Well, yes, thank you very much. Sarah did a great job planning a lot of that content and uh, design, so it I love it. I think it's such an appealing site. Uh, the Young Rider magazine is for kids 8 to 15, but any age that is interested, even older, could check out the new youngrider.com. We think there will be a lot of good stuff. On today's show, we will be talking to Laura King about equine sports psychology, horse trainer and horse illustrated contributor Jason Irwin, and to Sandra Papama who is a positive reinforcement trainer. 
Stay tuned for a bit to find out about a special offer from Horse Illustrated just for podcast listeners. And this episode is brought to you by title sponsor Straight Arrow Products. Cut, scrapes, and rubs are not an if moment, but a when moment for horse owners. Make mane and tail protect spray a staple in your safety and care routine when it comes to treating wounds or bacterial infections. The Easy Trigger Spray Bottle makes treatment quick and painless for both horse and rider, while its antimicrobial properties give it the power to ward off infection-causing bacteria. Keep the safety check nerves at bay with Mane and Tail Protect Spray. Our first guest is Laura King. As an accomplished equestrian and expert on self-improvement and positive behavior modification, Laura has helped thousands of athletes create positive and lasting change. She has published seven books on hypnosis and neurolinguistic programming, or NLP, appeared on The Rachel Ray Show, and has recorded more than 150 self-hypnosis MP3s on topics such as stress management, peak performance, public speaking, and overcoming illness. She has a new online course, Power to Win, which she'll describe more in depth with us today. Well, welcome to the show, Laura. We're so glad to have you here today. I'm glad to be here and happy to help you and tell you what I do a little bit. Well, great. Um, So you had such a long history of sports psychology and NLP work. Uh, What made you want to help people within the horse industry? Well, I became a hypnotherapist about 20 years ago, and I started off helping a professional golfer flying around. And I realized that people that ride horses also have performance anxiety, dealing with concentration and fears. And technically, I've ridden my whole life. I used to ride the circuit back in the 70s. And my daughter grew up riding with different trainers, and we've been around the horses my whole life. So it just seemed to be something I started working with. And then a publishing company came to me and had me write a book called The Power to Win. And then that kind of kicked it off to another level. And then the more I spoke and the more I started helping people, it just became a niche. I still have the rest of my practice where I work in the medical world also. So I have kind of a a mixture. That sounds like it keeps you super busy. Uh, As far as riders go, what's the most common thing that riders struggle with today that you, you hear a lot of? Well, there are two things I work with. I teach people how to use their brain. Technically, you and I are talking at 12% of the brain. That's your analytical, rational reasoning mind. In the 12% is your willpower. So when you go to increase your ability or work on a skill or do something, you're dealing with 12%. 88% of your brain is your hard drive. And that's where I kind of help people be able to reprogram, readjust. So if you have problems or challenges or hiccups, you can actually reprogram that. And what happens is the average human being is so judgmental and so critical of themselves, it's hard for them to learn in advance. So we attempt to really change their thoughts, their feelings, and their self-talk a lot to get rid of the fears, whether it's real or imagined. A lot of people, you know, since your imagination is stronger than knowledge and you are what you think and a thought creates a physical reaction, it's really important to be aware of what your thoughts are because you could be creating a story that's keeping you from what you want. So your personal best becomes the ability to let go of the judgment. And like when you go in the ring or, you know, you feel like you're being judged, technically they're there to evaluate and assess you, not judge you, but you're so busy judging yourself, you create anxiety and stress attached to whatever you're doing. What I like to teach is, hey, wait a minute, let's change the story. Let's work on being able to create it the way you want. And I really push and I've been pushing personal best for about 15 years. And it really helps a person excel at what they're choosing to do because you've got to remember, you're allowing a person to get on a horse and ride. They've got to have a balanced mindset to be able to orchestrate that communication between themselves and the horse to get what they're asking for, no matter what discipline it is. And that's what I help them with to balance out the negative stories and make them better and get the mindset to be the best you can be. That's kind of my goal in life for everybody, whether it's writing or building your business or whatever it is. That's so important for all of us, like you said, in in any area. Um, Is there anything a writer can do to be more receptive to a breakthrough uh, that's going to help them with their writing goals? 
I think to really think about what I just said a minute ago, if we can understand the judgment and the story that we're saying in our heads ourselves and what they're saying to themselves, to really sit and evaluate, is that story imagined or real? Is that story something someone told you and you're carrying it through to bringing it from the past? Or is it something that you really have in your head? Like I was working with somebody the other day and the trainer told her, you know, something negative about a particular type of class she was riding in. And that has affected her every time she's gone in that class. So I get rid of the connection to that belief system, that story about the class, and then she can go in it and ride at her peak level because her brain is not putting up the fear and the anxiety that was created by someone else. That makes sense. I think everyone could use that <laughs> in their thought yeah. process for sure. Yeah, we have all have stories. Right. That makes sense. Um, would you like to tell us a little more about your new online course, Power to Win? Well, what I did is I took the book, The Power to Win, and we went through each chapter. I taught each section of the book video. And what I did is, so it was like reading me and me teaching you what that chapter is about. So it's release performance, anxiety, concentration, peak performance. And each one goes in that way to educate a person of what it looks like. Then included in it, are some workbook exercises and the hypnosis MP3 to hypnotize you to do it. You got to remember something. You go in and out of hypnosis all the time. When you worry, you actually go in a state of hypnosis. So what I say is I'm a facilitator to help you do what you're doing, but we've learned scientifically we need another voice in our brain to make the difference, to make the change. So we're incorporating the 12% to educate the mind and we're incorporating the hypnosis so we can change the 88%. So I say I help a person with 100% of their brain. What is nice about the program is you can do it in your time. You can rewind and you can hear me again. And, and you can actually get each part of it and get the actual process of what I do every day for people. What is on the and in the program, it's like having an appointment with me. So it includes all the different keys and it kind of covers from beginning to end for the whole story and it can change a lot of mental mindset about old stories that's a definite so it's having me in your having me whenever you want to turn it on so when should a rider seek out a sports psychologist like yourself or like how do you know whether to go with like the you know same budget is not an option and you want to decide between an online course and like one-on-one uh, -on -one coaching, like how do you decide what to go for? I think that the online course is really good because you can get a really good process in. I know personally that it'll work because it's covering the bases. As far as making an appointment and seeing myself or my daughter or somebody else that works in my practice, it is whether you can do that and know that you've got to have that purpose of what you want to change. The thought process of advancing a skill or getting rid of the stories, sometimes one-on-one -on -one might be that therapy part that the brain has from something else somebody said or did. So it's just a judgment call. And, you know, some of my clients you know, got the course and they made appointments. So it's kind of both. That's really interesting. And I think there's a lot that can be said for, you know, just picking a goal for the year, whether it's with riding or maybe it's career goals or whatnot and, and deciding how you're going to tackle it and who you're going to help and what resources you're going to use. And I think that's really important for riders who tend to, you know, decide that, hey, this is what I want to work on. So how can people find out more about you? Well, you can go online. Um, my webpage is, well, there's two. There's one for the products and things. It's um, lauraking.net, and there's powertowin.com. So those are the two main ones. We'll make sure to put links in our show notes. And also, you were actually featured in an article of ours a few years ago that was written by a freelancer, uh, Natalie Diffie-Mendick. Yep. And it's called... Um, 
It was our fit rider, Colin Regain Your Confidence. And I will make sure to put a link to the show notes for that as well. Thank you so much. Thank you. And just a reminder that this episode is brought to you by title sponsor, Straight Arrow Products. With Cowboy Magic's Green Spot Remover, you can do more of what you love and spend less time in the wash stall. Cut bath time in half with this waterless shampoo for a quick grooming solution while saving water at your barn. This easy-to-use sprayer bottle is the perfect tool when looking for a quick clean before the show or before a leisurely ride. Green Spot Remover is a plant-based waterless formula that is safe to use on all coats, not just for grays. The natural enzymes will remove manure and urine spots without drying out the skin and coat. The best part? It only takes a few easy steps to use. Learn more about how to use and where to purchase at CowboyMagic.com. And you know, we're always looking to save you money, and we're going to do that today because we have special rates posted on the website for a Horse Illustrated magazine subscription in any format, print, digital, or a combo subscription for both options. Plus, if you like to get our sister publication for a special kid in your life, we also offer special rates on Young Rider Magazine, which is the horse magazine for tweens, as they said earlier, from 8 to 15. So check out the website at horseillustrated.com slash HRN. That's horseillustrated.com slash HRN for special rates designed for you. Our next guest is Jason Irwin. Jason and his wife, Bronwyn, operate Jason and Bronwyn Irwin Horsemanship. Together, they teach clinics on a wide range of topics, including general horsemanship, problem solving, liberty training, advanced horsemanship, colt starting, and more. They present at horse expos, give training demonstrations throughout North America, offer videos and other training products, and are the hosts of the TV show, The Horse Trainers. Jason, thanks for coming on. Oh, thanks so much for having me. I know you do a lot of clinics and a lot of tons of different things. Um, one thing that caught my attention was your TV show. Uh, I was just curious um, how you got approached to do that and what it was like um, switching formats from live clinics to doing teaching more over video. I would be lying if I said it was an easy transition. I thought it was going to be really easy. <laughs> it wasn't. Yeah. Um, I was used to talking in front of large crowds and, it really never bothered me to speak in front of a lot of people. So I thought a camera would be much the same thing, but uh, it's not because you'll start to talk, but there's zero feedback, obviously. So you'll say something and there's no reaction and then you start forgetting stuff. And I would be there in the beginning. It's like, welcome to the horse trainers. My name is, and then I would forget it. And stuff like <laughs> that. And uh, it, it was tricky, but I uh, know what it is. Um, a Canadian company, uh, got the rights to bring RFD TV and the Cowboy Channel to Canada. So the stations that our show airs on is the Cowboy Channel Canada and RFD TV Canada. Um, so our first season there, it was very tricky because we started it actually during COVID times and uh, the the production of it, I guess the deal, uh, the best way to put it would be the deal that we were putting together was a little bit awkward because um all the COVID stuff, the company was sort of running every which way, doing all different things. And then it kind of fell away. And then all of a sudden came back again. They said, do you still want to do the show? And we said, yes. And that was great and everything. But then we only had two months to film all the episodes and get the whole show together. So oh, wow. we had to learn how to make a TV show by ourselves in uh, two months, really. And then uh, they ended up, they kind of wanted different episodes for different stations. So I think we had to make like 20 episodes or something like that. So it wow. was, it was definitely pedal to the metal. <laughs> that sounds very hectic. Uh, you know, you're primarily a clinician, I guess. How did that appeal to you out of everything that you could do with horses? Well, my story is actually probably about three hours long and I'm sure you don't want to talk to me. That long, <laughs> I'll, I'll try to give Glenn you. Glenn will kill me if I talk to you for three hours. Okay. Fair enough. Fair enough. <laughs> and, uh, no, what it was, uh, when I was young, I was always really studying horse training and I really wanted to be in the industry and be in the business. I didn't, we were in horses, my family, we raised a few, um, but I didn't really know how I was going to do this in a bigger way. And then what happened about the time I got out of college, uh, we had cattle as well as horses. And there was a few cases of mad cow disease in Canada, which the borders all closed, the Canadian beef and the market crashed. So the cattle were worth nothing and we could still sell the horses that we were raising. 
So we really ramped it up on that end. And uh, my dad and I, we would run back and forth to the southern and the western USA and then bring back uh, groups of horses that I would then train and then we would sell and then basically do it again. So we were doing that in quite a big way and we'd have anywhere from 50 to 70 horses on hand at any one time. And then uh, we were going along like that for quite a while and we had different people asking us about teaching clinics, but sort of uh, off the cuff. It wasn't maybe all that serious yet. And then some family friends asked if we would teach a clinic. And when I say we, I mean me and my wife, Bronwyn. And uh, we taught that clinic. And the first year we did clinics, we did two clinics. And the second year we did 22. So it really jumped oh, wow. uh, fast from there. And then I got into doing some colt starting competitions at some of the horse expos. And then that gradually sort of turned over to presenting at the big horse expos. So now every year we do a lot of clinics privately, and then we do clinics at Horse Expos as well. Oh, that's awesome. Which expos are you traveling to in 2022? Well, in 2022, we've stayed within Canada just because they're leading up to this point, crossing back and forth over the border was just a little bit dicey due to uh, like the COVID rules and regulations. They seem like they were changing every other day. But we're going to Alberta and Saskatchewan here in the next couple of weeks. We've got a few expos out there. And then next year for 2023, we've got uh, several of the big expos in the U.S. lined up. So that'll kind of be when we switch back to going to the States more. Oh, fantastic. Well, hopefully we'll get to see you here in the U.S. next year. That will be fun. Um, so I got to know you a little bit just when you um, emailed us about an article idea and uh we haven't had a new uh, Western writer in a while, so I thought, you know what, these ideas are perfect for our audience. Um, I was really excited to hear from you, and uh, your first article with us will be in Horse Illustrated May issue, and uh, you've got some other good ideas coming down the pipeline, too, but I noticed your gorgeous blue roan in that uh, photo shoot. Uh, could you just tell us a little bit about your horses and, uh, you know, your blue roan that caught my eye? Well, he's one of about, oh, I don't even know. We own maybe 40 Blue Roans or something like that. Oh, my um, goodness. Our, our quarter, we raise quarter horses as well, and uh, we have three Blue Stallions, and then we've got about uh, tw- between 20 and 25 mares, the majority of which are Blue. And that, so I think the horse in the shots that uh, you saw was a stallion we call Rio. His register name is North Star Rio Bravo and that but uh again he's one of three that we've got and uh he he's a pretty cool horse though we're pretty proud of him he's been he's had maybe three uh full crops on the ground now and they've really turned out for us oh i just i love that color it it definitely jumped out to me so um i think yeah. the readers will enjoy that too um and then you mentioned colt starting competitions i was sort of new to this i don't remember how many years ago when road to the horse started in lexington when i was living there uh what what do you enjoy about colt starting competitions well they're a real thrill for me i think part of it was a lot of time when i was training i was at home by myself working with the young horses and the the colt starting was sort of my first uh, step into training, you could maybe say. And, uh, but I would be there working away on a young horse by myself. And I really enjoyed tweaking the program just a little bit and making little changes and trying to do just little things that end up making quite a difference. Uh, but the one thing of it is the only person that ever really saw it, or I think even appreciated it was me. And that, so usually when a person competes in the horse world, it's at a higher level. You're showing a finished horse, not the early stages. So when the Colt starting competition sort of became a thing, I kind of thought, ha here's a place for me because I get to kind of do what I've done all along. And uh, so my program actually already was set up in such a way that it sort of, um, it fit the Colt starting format, I guess you could say. I did definitely make a few little tweaks and that as I went, but uh, I generally when I was working with young horses, I generally did get on them fairly early in their training. And, uh, my program just sort of, although it wasn't made to fit cold starting competitions, it kind of already did. And I was doing that. And then I just enjoy to the, the big events. Like I enjoy meeting all the people. I enjoy meeting the other competitors. Although it is a competition, it's, 
in another way, it's not though. It's just a lot of people that appreciate seeing a horse started in a gentle manner. And you get to ex- talk to other people that I guess you'd say are like-minded. Jason, I, we did uh, live coverage at Road of the Horse for many years. So I have a question for you. What is the biggest mistake that the average person that wants to start their own horse, right? Uh, Colt or Philly or whatever. Uh, what is the biggest mistake they make? Um, there are a lot of them, and I'm trying to think which is the worst one. <laughs> uh, I'll tell you, actually, if I could expand on that just a yeah, little go bit. Ahead. About, sure, about 20 years ago, when a lot of people were being introduced to round pen training and they were buying their first videos or DVDs on Colt starting and they would see uh, Colts being started maybe at expos and events for the first time. It was really good, but the one problem was people would see one being started very quickly and they would think, all there is to this is I go home, I chase the horse around the round pen, I put the saddle on, I chase him again, then I get on and he's trained. So when I was training horses 20 years ago for folks, a lot of the young horses that were coming in, somebody had thought it was super easy. easy. They just basically threw the tack on, chased them around and hopped on and then got thrown off again. So a lot of the ones I was starting were a little bit nervous because they'd only had a ride or two on them, but those first couple of rides didn't go very well. So I usually had to kind of get the horses to calm down and relax and understand there was no big deal. There's somebody on them. I would say now it's shifted a little bit. Folks today, for the most part, don't think you just hop on and ride off. They do know that there's some prep work involved. The one thing, though, that I'm noticing is a lot of people are getting their young horses and they're handling them a ton, but maybe not paying quite enough attention to uh, attention to manners. So they'll be working with a young horse, but the horse is pushing them out of the way and nipping at them and maybe even kicking a little bit. So that's also not so great because that horse now doesn't really have any respect for the handler. And then when the colt starter or the young horse trainer goes to work with them, the horse is just sort of ornery and maybe just a little bit difficult to get along with. So I think the real secret to it is finding that line between, yes, you want to get them ready, but you don't want to overdo it or get them where they're disrespectful either. Well, Based on my experience, when I had a young Arabian, I'll add in there that to make sure horses are desensitized um, mm-hmm. quite a bit. Because <laughs> the first time I got on my horse, somebody snapped a branch and she was off. <laughs> so not the best <laughs> start. Uh, what's some of the groundwork you do before you're actually on the horse? I mean, obviously, you the basic manners, grooming and raising their feet for hoof picking and all that. But what else do you do? Um, well, there are quite a few different things. One of the ones that helps quite a bit is just taking the lead rope if it's long enough or just getting a second rope and putting it around the belly and putting a little bit of pressure on there as if it was a cinch going on the horse. And if you sort of work the rope back and forth just softly for a little while, that gets them used to that, um, that feel of what the cinch will feel like. And then something I'll do is sort of pull the rope snug and then ask the horse to walk forward a few steps because when they're saddled up for the first time, when you see a young horse get saddled and then it starts bucking, everybody thinks it's bucking because um, the saddle is flapping around. But some of it too, I think is they're bucking because all of a sudden they feel that constraint around their belly and they don't really know what to make of it. So um, if you can get them used to that feel, I think it helps quite a bit. We definitely do desensitizing work as well, like a lot of other trainers do. The one thing I would say there, though, is I have seen it sometimes where a person will desensitize and desensitize and desensitize until the horse is just sort of oblivious to everything. And you'll see the young horse, and it's almost like the lights are on, but nobody's home, that they're kind of tuned out. So I think you need to do enough that they're quiet and relaxed, but I don't think you just want to desensitize for two hours a day for two weeks, you're going to have a horse that just kind of tunes you out as well. That's an interesting point. I honestly had never thought about over desensitizing. That's, that's pretty well, funny. It's not what I call a common thing, but every once in a while we'll get one that I would say is de- it's a little bit overdone. And uh, that sometimes gets just a little bit awkward too, because for instance, they've kind of learned to tune out everything. So when you'll get on them and then I try to ride off for the first time, if I'm sort of like squeezing them with my legs or giving them a light little bump or touch them on the butt with the lead rope or whatever it may be, they're just kind of like, oh, yeah, I can take anything. I'll just stay here and not do a thing. I wanted to finish up just asking you about liberty work. Um, 
our readers just can't get enough of it. Everyone loves hearing about uh, working with their horse at Liberty. Um, even our young rider readers who are 8 to 15 years old, they are requesting more information about uh, training their horses at Liberty. Uh, why do you think it's gotten so popular? Uh, what are you seeing when you teach Liberty clinics? Well, Liberty, to me, is sort, it's really fun. It's probably one of the areas in horsemanship that I personally get the biggest kick out of. Because I, and I think it's actually, it's all for corny reasons. I think everybody that loves horses has watched the black stallion and seen the horse run around with the person or one of those types of movies It just sort of gets a person's imagination fired up. So actually with the Liberty work, I had kind of dabbled with it a little bit here and there, and I kind of knew the basics, but, uh, the reason I really finally made the time to learn it was I broke my hand and uh, I couldn't ride or train all that well for a while, but I could still do the stuff, do the Liberty work. So I really went at it and I took several young horses that we owned ourselves and worked with all of them at Liberty and really trying to try to learn the higher end part of it. Um, so I was doing that for quite a while and it's a thrill. Like if you have a horse that, oh, maybe they don't really care about people or really want to be around people all that bad. And all of a sudden that horse is running to you and running with you and just is stuck to you like glue. That's, that's a pretty cool feeling. And uh, now the one thing I would say with Liberty though, there it's like anything else. It's the same as if you want to learn how to train a reining horse or a jumper or a cutter or anything else, there is a, a certain skill set that you need to learn. And I've noticed sometimes that, a person will want to learn about Liberty and somebody will tell them, well, it's just, you just have to get your mind right and become one with your horse and love your horse and Liberty will happen. And no, it won't. <laughs> like it's still something that you have to, there are steps you need to follow and you, you need to teach certain things. And actually it's one of the, I believe, higher end forms of horsemanship, because if you're on a horse's back and it doesn't do quite what you want, you can still kind of make it happen if you want to. With liberty work, if there's no connection between you and the horse, if they don't really want to do it, they just run away and you're standing there not sure what to do. So it's uh, it, it's very obvious when it's working and it's very obvious when it's not working. Uh, but another one other thing I would like to point out with liberty training is it really forces a person to get really good at reading horses. So one thing that really helped with me a lot was sometimes I'd be working with a horse and if that horse was maybe just I would run into a problem, but after I did a lot of liberty training, I would see that problem coming a lot sooner because I got pretty good, I feel, at reading their body language. So I found I didn't maybe run down paths that would lead me to trouble as much because I would recognize things quicker uh, before they actually became an obvious issue. So I think it's really good uh, for helping a person learn about horses. Liberty training, I think, in some ways helps the person more than it does the horse. That makes sense. Yeah, you like you said, you kind of need to know what you're doing, not just go out there and do the black stallion. Uh, you got to sort of <laughs> learn what what's happening, what you're doing out there. For sure. I think the liberty work, like sometimes I've gone to clinics and I'll go to teach somebody about liberty training. And I think they think that I'm going to tell them there was an old man on a mountain that learned the secret <laughs> of horsemanship and he only told one person and that one person was me. And now I'm going to tell you. And then, uh, then they're a little bit like, Oh geez, there's a lot of work to this because there is that thing again, same as anything else that you, there's a lot of steps and they'll vary obviously from program to program, but there are still things you definitely need to learn how to do in somewhat of a sequence. Makes sense. Um, so tell people how they can find you online, on social media, um, where they can go. And we'll put it all in the show notes, too. Sure. Um, the easiest one is our website, which is just www.thehorsetrainers.com. And then on Facebook, it's uh, Jason and Bronwyn Irwin Horsemanship. No one can pronounce Bronwyn. No one can spell Bronwyn's name. So just type in Jason Irwin Horsemanship and it should pop up, too. And then uh, if you look up the horse trainers on TikTok as well, we're on there. Oh, TikTok. Fancy. Oh, okay. His TikTok great. is oh, fabulous. Yeah. <laughs> You're doing a great <laughs> job with it. I'm going to go look at well, it uh, right now. Sounds good. Well, thank you so much, Jason, for coming on with us. It's been great talking to you. Yes, ma'am. A lot of fun. Our final guest is Sandra Papama. Sandra is the founder of the Hippologic Clicker Training Academy and coaches horse people from all over the globe through online courses and coaching. 
In 2009, Sandra turned a feral filly named Kira into a confident horse that seeks out human contact in only three weeks. She developed a training system to help others become autonomous clicker trainers that can train their own horses using positive reinforcement and make every training session and ride a win-win. Welcome to the podcast. We're so thrilled to have you. Well, thank you for inviting me. I'm so excited to be on the Horse Illustrated podcast. Thank you. I'm honored. Well, we already did an introduction of you, and I wanted to ask you about Kira, because I know you have a really interesting story about like how you got her and how you kind of got started with her, and she was not your typical horse. So can you tell us a little bit about her? Well, first of all, I was about to get married when I got a phone call from my friend who said, like, hey, you like horses? Yes, you're very good with horses. Of course, my ego was like, yeah. Uh, And then, would you like to have a little project horse? So, you know how it goes if you already said two times yes, it's hard to say no. So, I'm like, yeah, sure, I'm interested. Uh, She had a wild horse. Uh, Kira was born in the nature reserve in the Netherlands. Her mom is an Exmoor pony and her dad is an Andalusian. And my friend owned that Andalusian stallion who escaped from her property to the nature reserve where he made friends with the herd of 10 mares. So that's how uh, she came about. And then when they called her, uh, the rest went, I think the rest went for meat because the Exmoor stud uh, book was not interested in having crossbreeds. And my friend said, well, it was my stallion. I want one and I'll pick that one. Later, she told me she uh, chose the least damaged one, which was kind of shocking. So after three weeks, she came to decide like she um, she noticed that she didn't have time to tame a wild horse. Uh, that was just separated from her herd, from nature, from everything she knew. So that's why she asked me and I was, I was just, but yeah, I'll, I'll, uh, I'll do it. Uh, I never trained a wild horse, but it was secretly on my bucket list. So that's why I said, yes. That's so Um, fun. Yeah. And um, I did ask like, uh, just for the form to my soon to be husband. We're still married. (laughs) Like, uh, what do you think? (laughs) Trial by fire in all different areas. So there you go. Um, So how did you develop your techniques with her? I mean, you you trained her pretty fast to be trusting and, you know, she became a great horse for you. So how did you go about doing that? Well, I started with positive reinforcement because um, I was I had no intention to uh, use force because I saw how afraid she was and that she was not afraid to kick out because she was so afraid. I couldn't even approach her every time I tried to approach her, like opening up the stall door. She tried to escape through over the wall on the opposite direction. Um, so that was super scary as uh, she was in flight mode all the time. So I just sat there for a few weeks, twi- two times a day for an hour or so, giving her treats and clicking and repeating. And the first step was haltering. That's what I mistakenly thought. But uh, yeah, when I came with the halter, she was just kind of gone. And I realized that the first step would be approaching the horse because if you cannot approach a horse you can't halter her uh so that's why i sit sat there and just um clicked and treat for everything that she did was remotely um towards the desired behavior which was started with just looking at me instead of running away and then when i um was able after a few weeks to take her off uh, out of their stall to towards the arena, I started natural horsemanship and trick training. So she could lay down after like two months, and then in the middle of the natural horsemanship uh, exercises, uh, I put pressure on her, and she didn't like it. And I saw it, but I was like, yeah, you know, the voice in my head said, you have to put more pressure because she's not doing it, and the voice in my heart said, don't do it. She doesn't like it. But my head said, like, but what else? What else? And then Kira made a decision in the middle of, like, uh, circling around me 
on a line, she decided to do her trick that I trained with 100% positive reinforcement. So she just, in the middle of a trot, she laid down. And I could not, I didn't have the courage to put more pressure on her. Like, no, you, I said trot. So I just immediately took all the pressure away. I went over, I probably gave her a treat, but I gave her lots of attention. And then like in my mind, I had that movie fast forward. She was one year old. I'm like, but what if she's like four, five, six year old and I ride her and I give a little bit too much leg aid or too much pressure to her liking? Will she lay down then? So I was worried. But that was the pivoting moment that I decided I will start doing everything with positive reinforcement. I had no idea how. I think it's amazing that you went from that Anatoly wild horse to a well-trained horse that you moved all the way from the Netherlands to Canada, and now you're teaching others to do it. Can you tell me a little bit about your like business and, and what you're doing with positive reinforcement training and how you're helping others? Yeah, in the Netherlands, I started out as a, as a horseback riding instructor, um, but I moved already towards more clinics and more uh, explanations about horse behavior because I saw the problems that riders have in the saddle are nine out of 10 times communication problems. And because they all know the riding age, they all know what to do, especially if you are like advanced rider. Um, so I was already moving towards teaching people about horse behavior, how horses learn, how to um, communicate better. And positive reinforcement is an excellent way to communicate with your horses. But when I moved to Canada, I thought, Canada is horse country. Everybody has horses here. Well, Vancouver, not so much. Uh, but people were not interested in learning about clicker training with horses uh, in general. That was so rare here in the Netherlands. Like in 2012, everybody had heard about clicker training or was starting to use it. I started in, in the 90s. But here was so new, so that's how I start calling old um, riding clients uh, and ask like, hey, would you like to send in a video and maybe I can write a training plan for you? So my first client was a lady from Belgium and her horse, she couldn't hold her, her horse. It was a stallion. Everybody told her, yeah, you have to geld him. You have to get rid of him. He's no good horse. But she loved him she liked him she she was desperate so I said you know what send in a video I'll I will write you a training plan and then um try it out and then in two weeks we come back together and for me it was super scary because I didn't know if if I could write a good enough training plan for her to implement because that's the whole thing you have to implement it in order to make it work and she called me back um Two, two weeks later, and uh, she made progress because in the beginning, the video that she sent me, her horse tried to bite her 23 times in uh, 10 minutes, and she had a hard time holding him. And after two weeks, she could hold him, and he didn't bite anymore. So that's when I thought, hey, this might work, this online coaching. Wow, seems like you really found your niche. And I've always been fascinated by how you've used technology to help people. And I know you've done, what, like a Facebook group that people can join and and do, uh, you know, different things for do, their horses. And I do clicker challenges. I have uh, grass training, which is fun because which horse owner doesn't have a struggle sometimes, especially in spring that the grass is growing it's like candy the horse wants to eat it you want to ride you don't want to wait for your horse the horse is pulling you or pushing you and uh, with positive reinforcement you can teach your horse to stop grazing on cue so yeah you can do anything with positive reinforcement you've also done i know a few clinics and whatnot uh what are some of the events you've been to I mean, uh, I was a speaker at the uh, horse at the main event in Chilliwack. That's the largest horse expo in Canada. I think they don't do that anymore uh, because of COVID, unfortunately. Mm -hmm. uh, I was a speaker there. I uh, was. Uh, I did a clinic at the BCSPCA in uh, Vancouver. 
which was fun. I, I trained and rehabilitated horses and farm animals with positive reinforcement uh, there. Uh, yeah, I did smaller clinics and in, in barns and, and mm. stuff. Yeah. Did you ever take Kira with you to be like a demo horse or did you use horses there? Or? I never had a trailer. So oh, okay. um, I never had, I was never in the opportunity to buy um, a big enough car to pull a trailer and then mm. to have a trailer. Um, everything is super expensive in Vancouver and that's uh, Vancouver, Canada. That's, I think it's the top three most expensive cities in the world. So everything wow. is so expensive. So I never got my own trailer. So that was a struggle to take her. Uh, I did some um, horse agility uh, courses. Neat. Well, you've got some interesting uh, projects coming up. Can you tell us about those? I've been uh, involved in uh, the Lama Sanctuary uh, in Chase um, and uh, I went there because I wanted to volunteer to meet new people in my new surroundings because we just moved to Chase. And um, so I went there for a Lama tour and uh, I had the intention to um, to volunteer my services, but uh, I was just not really willing to I scooped the poop, but I was willing to train llamas. Um, and so for one reason or another, I started with the most difficult one. Um, and his name is Thoreau and he wasn't approachable. He was wild. And in, yeah, now we are a few months further and I only train him once a week for 10 minutes. And I think today will be the day that I'll be able to halter him. So that's exciting. And then uh, I'm asked to uh, start training a mule at the um, Turtle Valley Donkey Refuge in Chase. And uh, it's a dangerous mule. And I'm super excited to work with her because I know positive reinforcement um, opens up the animal, especially if they are traumatized. And the beauty, if one person trains the animal with positive reinforcement, the animal opens up. And starts to connect with other people too. It's not that they think like, oh, Sandra has the treat, so I like her. No, they start liking every human more. So that's why I'm super excited about using positive reinforcement for traumatized animals. That is so fabulous. I think this has been such a huge trend with uh, positive reinforcement training and it just keeps getting bigger and bigger. And, you know, our our readers really love it and are uh, really starting to get into it and try different things. Um, you have a special offer for Horse Illustrated re uh, listeners. Do you want to share about that? Yes, I think I think it's so lovely to have um, people listening that love their horses and if you're really interested in befriending your horse positive reinforcement is a really really good way to do that and I would like to offer the listeners of Horse Illustrated podcast um, uh, clarity in clicker training assessment so if you're already clicker training I think this assessment will work fine for uh, if you if you're not clicker training your horse, but you're interested in it. Uh, but if you do a little bit of clicker training and you get stuck, um, we will go over it and see where you get stuck. And I help you get unstuck for free. Well, we'll put a link to that on the show notes page. Then where can people find some of your information? Like what's your website? And then we'll also put links to all your social media. Thank you so page. much. Um, yeah, my mission is to help help as many uh, horse people as I can to enhance the, the friendship between them and their horse. That is really what drives me. My website is clickertraining.ca. Uh, Facebook is uh, www.facebook.com slash forward slash hippologics with an S. And I'm also at Instagram at the handle hippologic. You can always give me a call. Great. Well, thank you so much for joining us on the podcast. And it's been something I've I've wanted you have, to have you on the podcast for a while. Sandra thank and you. I 
met online a long time ago. We've never gotten to meet in person, but I was always so impressed with like all you're doing and all the business stuff you're and just how you've developed your business. So I'm glad to see you still at it and uh, wish you a lot of luck. Thank you so much. And uh, thank you for the conversation. Well, Holly, you did good for your first day. Thank you. I was a little bit nervous, but you made it easy. <laughs> all right, let me do this. I'm going to mark you approved, okay? Uh, you're now an approved HRN host. Oh, fancy. Thank you. <laughs> There's no certificate or anything, but, oh, but we might send you a real mic. I like that. I think I need one. <laughs> that's, when, that's when you know you're approved <laughs> is when I send you a mic, okay? Awesome. <laughs> well, it's fun having you here, and I'm looking forward to working with you in future episodes. Thank you. Great to be here. And Sarah, it's been great working with you over time, and, and we wish you the best of luck with what you're heading into next. Oh, it's been such an honor. Thank you, Glenn, and thank you, Holly. I mean, it's I, I say that it's very weird to say that because I've known Sarah for 13 years, and we talk all the time. So <laughs> I know. It's like, it's like we're going to keep talking. So yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, but and thank you all for listening. We really appreciate it. Of course, this is the Horse Illustrated episode. It happens the last Tuesday of every month, and we want to thank our sponsors. Uh, first, our title sponsor, Straight Arrow Family of Brands, makers of Mane and Tail, Cowboy Mad and exhibitors with over 100 years of grooming excellence. For more information about your favorite products, visit straightarrowinc.com and find their products at ta tax shop near you. They're pretty much at every tax shop in the country. And Horse Illustrated can be found at horseillustrated.com. And also, don't forget our sister site, youngrider.com. Find the links to today's guests and the show notes at horsesinthemorning.com or at horseillustrated.com slash podcast. You can follow Horses in the Morning on Facebook. Just search for Horses in the Morning. You can have all of the Horse Radio Network shows with you wherever you go with our free app for iPhone and Android. Go to your app store and search for Horse Radio Network. Happy reading and riding. 